Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be reading just a couple of verses there. And then we'll be going over to Luke chapter 6 in just a little bit here. So 2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we're going to begin. And then we'll go over to Luke 6 in just a little bit here. So I just have to say, uh, man, it, you know, I knew it was going to be a good day. Uh, but the Lord has just incredibly blessed me this morning through worship, uh, through what Brother Dave shared. Um, I'm guessing that wasn't planned um, to have uh, that song, Cornerstone, and Dave's song. So I love that God orchestrated that together. Um, and I just have to say, and I know Dave, he may or may not hit me after this. I don't know. He's a pretty big fella, so I might be avoiding him after service. Um, you know, it's so amazing to hear Dave talk about his dad that way. And it encourages me to realize that, that as dads, as grandpas, uh, we have a huge opportunity, fellas, uh, to really make an impact on our children and our grandchildren. But did you catch what Dave said? Where did that heritage really from his dad even begin with, his, with Dave's grandmother? That's a powerful testimony as well. Do you see how God works through the family unit to pass generation to generation that faith? And maybe you're sitting there today like, well, you know what, pastor, I wish that was the case, but my parents weren't Christians or my grandparents didn't do that or my mom and dad weren't very good people. Then here's the beauty of how God's grace is. You start that change in your family. You begin the catalyst of change to teach your children and grandchildren what it is to know Christ, to walk with Christ. And I have to say, this is the part where he may hit me. Um, I have to say, as long as I've known Dave and I, I've been attending in this church since 1998, um, I started attending at 16 years old. And uh, Dave's been a part of the church for much longer than that. I won't say how long, but just a few years before that, probably. Um, Dave is a man that has always stood for Christ in every memory I have of him in this church. And I appreciate uh, Dave's example before me as a young man, even today, that I'm so thankful for men in this church that have stood for the Lord. And I appreciate that, brother. Thank you so much for your heritage of what you've done to impact so many. This morning... We are going to be getting into, again, as we said, our Appreciation Sunday. And so uh, the message is going to be a little different. Um, and I said to somebody this morning, and they kind of gave me a look. I said, I'm going to go a little shorter this morning in my message. That's about what I heard from this person, too. So I don't know what reputation I have. But, um, but no, I just am so thankful this morning. And I was kind of putting my notes together this week. And I remember thinking, you know, I really want to say this is a chance for me as a pastor uh, for Pastor Greg as our youth pastor and even as Kelsey as our secretary, uh, we understand, we know that we, the three of us on what we call paid staff here at the church, we know we cannot do all that, that God has called our church to do. We can't. Now, I want to say I so appreciate Pastor Greg and Kelsey and all they do. Um, every now and then, I'll, if Kelsey texts me something, I'll end the text with uh, BSE. BSE, and that's best secretary ever. I have to always throw that in there um, because we are blessed guys with, uh, with Kelsey Channel and I love her and Dave and their family, but, but we are blessed as well with Pastor Greg. Um, it's, it's never, I mean, he might give me a hard time about it, but it's such a blessing to have somebody to pastor with. Um, and hear me when I say that we pastor together. Um, I may be called the senior pastor and he's called the youth pastor, but we're co-pastors in this church. We minister together in the body of Christ. And so uh, I'm so thankful for him. Um, and anytime I ask him to do something, help me with something, he's always willing to do it. Maybe with a comment or a sarcastic remark here or there. Um, 
but I know that's just how he shows love. He's, he's kind of looking at me like, no, it's not really. I just, I really just am sarcastic, but I take it as love. I think it's a brotherly thing. So, uh, so I'm thankful for those guys, but I want to let you know, I'm so thankful for every usher, teacher, uh, person who serves in a position of authority here as far as an office elected by the church, deacons, trustees, um, our church clerks, soloists, the praise team, uh, those that come and clean every week that maybe many of you don't even know who they are or you just see the result of what they do. Uh, we are blessed, guys, with an amazing, amazing army of people that have stepped up week in and week out to serve this ministry weekly, bi-weekly, or even monthly. Uh, as I say that, though, uh, there are those right now serving, serving in junior church, uh, serving in our nursery ministry and so on. And so when you see them, if you have someone in one of those ministries or if you know someone that serves, do me a favor. After service today when we're having lunch, would you just go up to them and just say thank you? You don't got to give them a gift. Uh, it was so great this week. Somebody left a, a card and four cookies on my desk. Now, I'm guessing they thought I would want four cookies. I'm sure they weren't thinking one for Pastor John, one for Sandra, one for Josiah, one for Anthony. I'm, I'm, that's not what they meant. I'm guessing they meant it was all for me. So, um, but we can pray about that and see how the Lord leads. But, um, but it was just a simple little card that just said, you know, I'm just so thankful for you, for the church, and how the church has been so welcoming to, th to this family. I, I just was blown away by that. And guys, I love that. And just so you know, um, if you've ever written anything of an encouragement to me in a card or note, um, I have a folder in my desk that I put all those in. And I love every now and then just pulling those out and just reminding myself, God, you have graced us as a church with some amazing people. And so thank you so much to every single person who volunteers. Um, I've thought about doing like a slideshow thing where we put all the pictures of the people who serve up on the screen. Uh, but most, if not all of the people who serve would be really mad about that um, because they don't want that attention. Uh, they don't want to be recognized. They don't want to be called up on stage and all of that. They are doing what they're doing for the glory of the Lord. And I so appreciate that even more. Second Timothy, and uh, prayerfully we'll be able to get through this. Um, it's a little, a little tough for me, so just bear with me, all right? And if I do mispronounce one of these names, just smile and nod as though it's right, all right? So verse 19 of 2 Timothy 4, Paul writing to Timothy here, young pastor in the faith. Uh, some people believe Timothy could have been in his 20s, uh, early and mid-20s, maybe even younger than that when, when Paul was writing to him. We know uh, 2 Timothy is Paul's kind of final letter. Uh, he says already in the book that he is ready to be offered as a drink offering to be sacrificed and martyred for Christ. Um, it's amazing Paul's resilience for Christ. And again, as Dave was saying, man, as we grow older, uh, it seems as though we just hunger for that, that time with Christ even more and more. But we're so thankful that he's left us here to make an impact for Christ. So Paul's writing all this. He's kind of sharing some kind, kind of closing thoughts. It's an amazing letter. Uh, he's writing this from a maritime prison in Rome. Um, he is ready to be offered and he will be shortly after this letter is penned. He's going to be taken outside of the city and he will be martyred for Christ. But he takes time at the end of this letter to recognize some people. And let's look at this in verse 19. Salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus left I at Miletum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come before you today, Lord. 
our hearts are overjoyed with the time we've had to worship you. But Father, I pray that we would know that worship does not stop when the music stops. Lord, we call the music part of a service, the worship service. We even call the bands that take the stage worship bands, praise bands. But I pray that we would know, and I'm so thankful that we have so many here that do know this, that that worship is not just something we do when we sing some songs. Worship is an extension of our very relationship with you. That every day, all week, we worship you in the things we say, in the way we live. And so, Father, this morning, yes, we've worshipped you through song. We've worshipped you through offering. And now we're going to worship you by getting into your word and growing and learning and hearing what you have for us so that we would be changed into the very image of Christ. Not so that we would get attention, but that your name, your fame would go forth in this community. That this church would continue to be a lighthouse to make disciples and to evangelize and show others that they need Christ. Father, I pray that we would just be so thankful for all those that you've given us in this church and gifted with talents and abilities, spiritual gifts that they ministered to us so graciously. I pray that we would never take them for granted, but that we'd be thankful for every one of them, Lord. And Father, may you minister as only you can by the working of your Holy Spirit. And Father, again, as I've already prayed, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray before they leave this place, they would know you and realize that, that it's through Christ and Christ alone, our cornerstone, that we have eternal life. Not through religion or spiritual um, activity, not through religious obligations, but by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so thank you, Father, for that reality. And I pray that we would worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. And so here we read some verses in 2 Timothy 4. If we're being honest, and I know you're like, it's church. We have to be honest in church. We can't lie in church. Everywhere else, apparently fine, can't lie in church. That was a joke. Okay, so. Okay. They can't all be winners. Okay, they really can't. Sometimes there's going to be a dud in there. When you read these passages, um, and you think about what Paul's doing here, if we're being honest, many of us kind of skip through these verses. I mean, if we're being honest, we're studying God's word, we're reading through the Bible, we get to the listing of names. I don't know why it is, but we kind of just jump over them. Okay, we do this through the Old Testament too, right? The books of like Deuteronomy and all these books, we start reading all these names and we just kind of becomes kind of routine, right? Kind of ho-hum and we just kind of jump through them. But I pray we won't do that. I pray that we would realize what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He is recognizing those that are co-laborers, fellow laborers with him in the ministry of Christ. He is taking time to recognize them by name, to honor them, and to recognize what they do. And this isn't the only time he does this. He does this earlier in chapter 4. He does this in other epistles as well. Uh, But I want to make a moat just as an example. I chose to go to 2 Timothy 4 just as an example of this. I'll give you one example of how this is true. And I won't go through all the names here. Uh, Some we know more about than others, but Aquila and Priscilla, we see that name mentioned right away. What that is, if you read Acts chapter 18, you're going to find out that Paul goes and begins what we now know as the church of Corinth. And when he gets there, he actually lives with this couple, this husband and wife, who were also tent makers as he was. And it's amazing to think that Aquila and Priscilla had a huge impact in the ministry of Paul in the city of Corinth that later became a church that was dynamic in changing the known world. Now, they had their issues. You read 1 Corinthians, you know they had some issues. But it's amazing what God did in and through Paul's ministry. But think about it this way. Paul needed Priscilla and Aquila to give him a place to live, to stay with him so he could do the ministry God called him to. There's no such thing as a little ministry when it comes to serving Christ. 
There's no such thing as a little job when it comes to serving Christ. I mean, so much so that Paul recognizes them to Timothy here in this epistle. So we need to understand, as we see throughout most of the Bible, really all of the Bible and most of the New Testament, that it takes a team of people to do what God has called the church to do. It takes the body. It takes the body. It takes a team of people. Go over to Luke chapter 6. We referenced this already that I said we'd be going there. So Luke chapter 6, turn there, uh, scroll there, whatever, however you're getting there. Um, let me also encourage you, if you're here this morning, you don't have a copy of God's word, we'd love to give you a copy of God's word. Uh, you can go to the Welcome Center following service today and you can ask for a Bible. They'll give it to you. Uh, you don't need to give them any information whatsoever. We just want to give that to you to be a blessing. Or you can get on your device if you'd rather have it on your phone or your iPad or something like that. Um, if you want to go on your app store, you can download our church app, North Goodland BC, in your app store. And there is a Bible app on there as well, a Bible feature. And so we want to make sure we're getting into God's word this morning. And so we see the Apostle Paul recognize some people that were very important to him in his ministry. Here in Luke chapter 6, we see a famous passage of, the, uh, of Christ calling his disciples, choosing, if you will, his disciples. And so let's just read a few verses there. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Now, I've, I've read this before. I can't read that without mentioning. Man, that's a challenge to my prayer life. That's a challenge to my prayer life. Christ prayed all night. Now, some would say, oh, it doesn't really mean all night. It's kind of like just a, a, you know, a figurative way of saying that. No, it really means all night. And so I just encourage you, not in a legalistic sense, not if you pray all night, God loves you more. If you pray all night, you get better seats in church. It doesn't mean any of that. God loves you as you are, where you are, because if you know Christ, you are his son and daughter. And if you don't know Christ, he loves you so much. He gave his son for you that if you would repent of your sin, call on the name of Christ, he will save you and redeem you. Christ alone. We don't do things to keep our salvation. We don't do things to earn our salvation. He offers it to us freely. And so if I encourage you to pray all night, it's not because I want you to make God happy. It's because I believe there's great blessing in spending time with God in prayer consistently and continually in our Christian walk. And so here we see he spent all night in prayer. Verse 13. And when it was day, he called unto him the, his disciples, and of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles, and it lists them for us. What's amazing with this is this, Christ is God, ministering earth. And one of the first things he does early in his ministry is he calls disciples to him. And out of the disciples that began to follow him, he chose 12 specific disciples that he calls apostles. The word apostles means sent one, one who is sent out. See, he called them to him. He's going to train them up and encourage them and strengthen them and train them and teach them for roughly three years. And he's going to send them out to lay the groundwork and the foundation of the church. Christ even tells these disciples that they will do greater works than Christ did. How in the world is that possible? We referenced this on Wednesday night in relation to the Holy Spirit. When we are saved, we are given by God's grace, the Holy Spirit, who indwells us and equips us to do the work of Christ. And what's amazing is the greater works are not greater in quality, but greater in quantity. And now because we are the body of Christ, we can go out into this world individually impacting our community for Christ. And God is glorified. See, it takes a team. These men were ordinary, normal men, not religiously trained, 
who simply made the decision to follow Christ in faith. And that is the call of discipleship. Follow me. The call we give people today is believe. Nothing wrong with that. We are called to encourage people to believe on the name of Christ. But you know that Jesus didn't say the number one calling that he gave to people wasn't believe on me. It was follow me. See, in our day and age, we've disconnected those two things. We think we can believe without following. But in the New Testament, we don't see that. We see belief and following all in one. And that's why I'm so thankful for those that have come this morning to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. To say to the congregation, to the church, and to the world, I've trusted in Christ and I'm willing to publicly display that for any and all to see. I'm a follower of Christ. These men, again, were not religiously trained. Uh, I love the verse in Acts. Remember the verse in Acts where they're brought before the Sanhedrin and they're just so confused. The religious leaders are so confused. How could these simple, ignorant men turn our whole city upside down? You know what the testimony was of those disciples? But we know they spent time with Christ. But we know they sat at the feet of Christ. See, religious training is not bad. I attended a Bible college in Springfield, Missouri. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm, I love my experience at BBC. I love getting to be able to men that, that knew the word of God and communicated the word of God in a way that trained me up. I'm, I'll ever be, so ever be thankful for that education that I received. But that is not required to do what God has called you to do. That is not required for you to make an impact for Christ. Now, I know I've talked to plenty of people, and Sandra and I, uh, she attended Eastern Michigan University. Um, we talked a lot. She said, you know, I wish I would have maybe been a little more committed in my Christian walk that I would have known something about these Bible colleges. I probably would have went there instead. I really wish I would have got some Bible training and those kind of things. And I know we feel that way, but do you know what? While she was at Eastern Michigan, and she would never say this out loud, but she was the leader of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. She was the president of the chapter there at Eastern Michigan. And she was able to impact people for Christ on that secular campus in a way that I couldn't sitting at BBC. And so don't ever look back and go, oh man, I kind of blew it. No, if you were allowing God to use you right where you are, then you're doing all God has asked you to do. So I know we feel like that. Well, I can't really do this because I don't have the Bible knowledge. I don't have the training. I don't have this. If you know Christ and you have a passion for his word and you're spending time in his word and in prayer, God will use you in your home, in your workplace, in your school, and in your community. Not because you have a Bible degree or don't have a Bible degree, but because you have a passion for Christ and you know him. And you want to make him known. That's the difference makers. Those are the ones that change the world. Again, it's amazing that we learn this by looking at the life of the disciples. It's not just who they were, meaning they weren't religiously trained, but it's also who they weren't. God chose individual, ordinary men to make a huge impact for him. The key is that the work of Christ is not accomplished only by pastors who happen to be on a staff at a church. It is done through the church body. It's all about getting plugged in. It's about getting plugged in where we are and when we are, meaning the time right now. We have so many that serve in so many ways. I'm truly, again, thankful for that. Using their gifts and talents to edify and build up the church, which is to the glory of God. I truly believe that we are not your average church. We are so blessed. Now, I know we have a lot of not average normal people here. And I won't name names. I won't point to anyone, look at anyone. When I say we're not average, what I mean is in this regard, I was just curious about this, and I've never really done this before, but I was just the last couple of days praying over this message and thinking through how God has blessed us. 
And just out of curiosity, I look back over the last year. So going back from last fall till now. Now, obviously, understanding with COVID and everything, we did take about eight weeks. We went online and we did all of that. So we don't have numbers for that as far as that goes. But um, which, by the way, as of right now, I've, I've prayed about this. I fairly feel strong about this. Unless God changes, which he can, we will not close our doors again. I don't care what happens. Um, we're not going back online only. Uh, we're going to keep our doors open. So, um, and that's not, that's not anything to do with me or anything to do with us wanting to make a stand per se. Uh, we just believe God's word says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And if we can do that safely, which I believe we can, uh, then we're going to. But anyway, I looked over the last year and looking at our average Sunday morning attendance for all of everything in the building and the number of people that volunteers serve and help in some way, shape or form, either weekly or month, but they do get involved. Uh, even bi-monthly, because some people serve in certain ministries where they're not necessarily active every single week, but they do get involved in different things. Um, on average, if you take our average attendance over the last year, considering COVID and all of that, and you look at the number of people who serve, on average, about 47% of our Sunday morning attendance in the building are serving in our church. 47% of our church. Absolutely, you can applaud that. Yes. And that's not us. That's not glory to us. That's glory to God. Do you know that the average church, somewhere between 10 to 20% of the churches serve? We're just shy of 50%. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, that's amazing. That's a great blessing. But pastor, I'm pretty good at math. 47 from 100, right? I get this. There are those who aren't serving. Well, let me just tell you and encourage you. You shouldn't feel bad about that necessarily. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to praise God that so many are serving. Do you know that this, uh, our Word of Life program on Wednesday nights, uh, we entered the year, I think we were like 24 registered to start the year. Uh, Are we at 31 registered now? 30, we're at 30 kids registered for our Wednesday Word of Life program. 30 kids. And that's amazing to see from the beginning of the year, 24, we jumped six in like two weeks because God is doing something. It's amazing to see. And I could go on and on and on about all God is doing, but do you know what? We wouldn't have those kids showing up on Wednesday night if we didn't have volunteers and leaders to work with them. You know, one of the greatest blessings, we have somebody that said, hey, I'll do nursery on Wednesday night. I'll just be in the nursery. You know what? how amazing that is? You might think, well, are there really that many kids that come to nursery? Well, there's a couple that are in there. But do you realize the great blessing it is for now? We can invite people to Wednesday night and say, hey, listen, if you have kids that need nursery, we have that available to you. And what we're doing is we're removing one more it may be justified, but understand what I mean when I say this, one more excuse that person may use to not come to church. And now we can encourage them with the word of God. But do you see how none of this is done on an island? It's all interconnected to God's glory. And so I want to encourage you guys this morning that God is doing something in the world today. God is doing something in the world today. Now I know what you're thinking, pastor, you don't watch the news. You'd be right, but I do watch a little news. And I know what you're thinking. How could you say that God is doing something? Look at all that's going on. I'm not saying everything in the world is great and good. I'm not saying that sin isn't rampant. I'm not saying that evil isn't trying to dominate. But I'll tell you this. My God hasn't taken a break. He's still on his throne. And God is doing something in the world today. I mean, when you stop listening to 24-7 news, which was a really bad idea when whoever somebody invented that, When you turn that off for a little while, I'm not saying don't watch any of it. If you feel compelled to know things or whatever, that's fine. And I'm not saying we don't need to be aware per se. 
But man, when we get into his word, we spend time in prayer and the peace of God begins to lift us up. And then we start listening to what God is doing in the world. And you hear about churches and places in the world that are exploding in growth and people coming to Christ in droves. And you're finding out that God is doing something. And then you realize, wait, but if God is doing something in the world, then maybe God wants to do something in my world. Maybe God wants to do something in my community. Maybe God is doing something in my community. And maybe I get to be a part of that by being connected and plugged in to the local church. When you read the New Testament, you'll find out very quickly that God's catalyst for change in the world was through the local church. It was his way of communicating change to the world. God is working his plan for his glory and for his name. We are getting to be a part of that right now, right here in Goodland Township, in Emily City, in North Branch, and the surrounding communities. Brown City, I don't want to miss anybody. I know something to be like, he didn't say my name in my city. K-Pack, Lapeer, um, any other ones that I forgot that's here? I mean, I don't know. But wherever, in Michigan, if you live there, God is working there, okay? And we get to be a part of that. Do you realize that by being consistently here and by giving generously to missions, you're impacting churches in Poland? By just giving faithfully and consistently to missions, you're impacting churches in the Philippines. You're impacting people all over the world. You're impacting the ministry of Ethnos 360, which impacts tribal missions all over the world, unreached people groups. And you get to be a part of that by just being connected to the body of Christ, by just being faithful and consistent in what God is doing. I truly believe that when we are ministering to others, we will find our needs will be met. Put it this way, our spiritual gas tanks will get filled up. When I'm ministering to others, I will be filled up. So often we think the reverse. Well, I just need to be ministered to and then I'll be filled up. But it's funny, when we're not ministering in some way, shape, or form, then it seems like our gas tanks are running a little low. I want you to understand, we need to get excited about what God is doing. We need to be excited that God is moving, not the mere attention that we may or may not get from doing this or that ministry. That's not what we're excited about. Some people, I'll be honest with you, in ministry, in all the years of being in ministry and being around church for a long time now, there are those who serve so that they will get recognized. And I understand the human tendency of that. But we don't serve to be recognized. Because guess what? If you serve and volunteer and minister to be recognized, when you're not recognized, you'll be discouraged. You'll think, oh, nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares. Nah, nah, nah. Here's the reality. When nobody notices what you're doing, God is always aware of what you're doing for his glory. And he is the one that we are here to please, not man. And so we can get excited. We can serve one another. We can see what God is doing in our lives and allow it to be an overflow into the church. So I want to encourage you, let's love God, let's love others, and let's love to serve. It's, it's in your bulletin. It's our mission statement as a church that we desire to be a kingdom-focused church that loves God first above all else. A relationship with Jesus Christ is the, is the foundation. We love him. We love others. And how do I show love to others? By serving them where God has given me opportunity and to do that. And why do we do all that? So that God is glorified, not that our church is promoted. So I want to say again, how thankful I am for any and all that serve in even the small things or the big things in your mind. But let me say this. If you're here this morning and you're not sure how you fit in, you're not sure what God would have you to do, then I would encourage you to pray, to seek him individually, consistently, and look for opportunities to step up. Maybe you step into a ministry for a time, six months or a year, and you find out it's not a fit. 
We've had people do that time and time again. They just say, you know what? There's a need. Maybe it's this. I'll serve for a little bit. And it's not a fit for them and their gifts and talents. Then they step out of that ministry. We don't, and it's not like they need to feel obligated or guilty. They just realize this isn't for me. Sometimes people serve in ministries they think is a fit and it's not a fit. Sometimes people step into a ministry because it's a need and they love it. And that's the ministry they do for the next 20 years. But I encourage you to step up and see what God's done. But let me say this, because again, some of that 53% of our Sunday morning attendance, that's not serving. I mean, in the church, obviously you may be serving in your community and in your family and all that, of course, but I'm talking about in the church. That's not all people who are just like, mm, I don't care to serve. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not doing nothing. God, bless me and I'll bless you. Okay, no, that's not what it is. You know what there are? There are people in our church who are genuinely just struggling. Man, they're just tore up. Something's going on in their life or their area of influence or, or something. And they are just like, look, Lord, I, I need to be fed. I, I know that sounds so selfish, but realize it's not selfish. Let me ask you this. When Elijah ran into the wilderness, what did God do for 40 days? Did he beat him up, confu- you know, condemn him and just get angry with him and just yell at him? And you're so lazy. You're so selfish. I to him. He provided for him. Why? Because Elijah was at a place where he needed to be ministered to. And I believe there are times in our Christian life where, yes, we should be desiring to serve, but there are also times where we need to say, you know what, Lord, I just need to step back and I just need to be focused on you. I need to get my walk with you where it needs to be. I need to rest. I need to be ministered to for a season. But let me encourage you with this. If you're here today and that's you, please don't beat yourself up and don't feel bad about that. You just allow God to minister to you because here's the thing in God's timing and only you know this when it'll happen in God's timing, God will say to you, just as he said to Elijah, okay, it's time to get up and go back. It's time to get up and go back. I've ministered to you. Our time has been good, but now you need to move on. And so the key is when God says that to you, not audibly, but through the working of the Holy Spirit, maybe in the word of God or in prayer, you just respond in obedience. Okay, God, I can, I can do this if you say I can do this. And so my encouragement to you is, how is God encouraging you to serve in the local church? I know we have a lot of visitors here today, uh, some here for, to celebrate with those that are being baptized. Thank you so much for being here today if you are visiting for that reason. And I'm sure you're involved in a local church somewhere. Um, if you are connected to a local church that is not North Goodland, please, uh, that church will benefit from your serving. I guarantee it. And your pastor, your leadership are hungry to see you step up and serve because they know it's the best for you and God will be glorified. But if you're here and you're a part of North Goodland as an attender or a member, would you maybe prayerfully consider how God would be leading you to serve? But if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, pastor, I just think I'm in a season where I need to be ministered to, then allow God to do that in your life. And don't feel guilty about it, but trust him. In whatever way God is moving, would you respond to him in obedience? See, this is the key. Everything we do as the church is to put him on display. And in our lives, put him on display. So let me close with this, and then we're gonna go to invitation. Just simply asked if you don't know Christ. We had a lot of visitors here today, different people that I, I just, even people that attend here, I don't know your hearts. Do you know Christ? And if you don't know Christ, would you receive him today? Not by joining a church or, or saying a creed, but would you receive Christ by just simply by faith, trusting in the salvation gift that he offers, his death, burial, resurrection, confessing and repenting of your sins, calling out to Christ to save you and allowing him to redeem you. And then we live and surrender for him. However God is working, would you respond? I'm going to ask you to pray right there where you are. If you'd bow your head, we're going to have a short time of invitation. And as we're having a time of invitation, the band's going to come and lead us in one final song. And so um, we're going to go ahead and do that. If you are 
uh, getting baptized. This would encourage you to go ahead and head back to the changing rooms and go ahead and start getting ready. Uh, but everyone else, just be in prayer right there where you are. Just continue to seek the Lord there. Ask him to minister as only he can. We just want to ask that as your head's bowed and your eyes are closed right there, do you know Christ? Have you received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? If you would say yes, then praise him for your salvation. Praise him for his grace. If you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I've attended church a long time. I've been in church a long time, but I don't know Christ. I've never personally received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Then maybe you right there where you are, would say, you know what, Lord, would you, would you convict me of my sin? I know that I've done wrong. Would you open up my understanding that I might call upon the name of Christ? Father, we, we thank you so much for this time that we can gather together. And Father, I pray that you and you alone would be glorified in all that has been said and done. Father, for every volunteer, for our deacons that do a tremendous job to serve. Father, I'm so blessed to have men and our deacon and trustee boards that I can go to, I can share with. And I know their desire is not some private agenda of what they want in the church. I know their agenda is they want you to be glorified in the church. And what if, and so we are blessed, Father, with great leaders, teachers, those that serve our children and do it so well, those that lead in our men's and women's ministries. And Father, I just am so thankful for everyone and I pray that they would know they're appreciated. Father, may you be glorified in all that we are doing this morning. And for those that are being baptized, again, you be lifted up, Lord, as they make this decision. We thank you, Lord, for all of this, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as the band leads us in a song of invitation? Would you sing out to him? If you want to come and pray, please come and bend a knee. Maybe you want to serve. Maybe you need to be ministered to. Whatever God is doing, would you take this time to respond to him, whether through song or through prayer as we sing?